Chapter 9 The Divine Refuge God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46 1. The children of Israel, while they were in Egypt and in the wilderness, were a type of God's visible church on earth. Moses was speaking primarily of them, but secondarily of all the chosen ones of God in every age. Just as God was the shelter of his ancient people, Israel, so he is the refuge of his saints through all time. First, he was eminently their shelter when they were under bondage and the yoke was heavy, when they had to make bricks without straw, and their taskmasters oppressed them, then the people cried unto the Lord. God heard their cry and sent his servant Moses unto them. In the same way, there often comes a time when people begin to feel the oppression of Satan. I believe that many ungodly people feel the slavery of their position. Even some of those who have never been converted have enough sense to feel at times that the service of Satan is a difficult one, that yields only a little pleasure and involves dreadful risks. Some people cannot go on long making bricks without straw without being more or less conscious that they are in the house of bondage. These who are not God's people are still under the pressure of mind after discovering in part their condition. They then turn to some form of pleasure or self-righteousness in order to forget their burden and yoke. God's elect people, however, moved by a higher power, are led to cry unto their God. One of the first signs of a chosen soul is that it seems to know, as if by heavenly instinct, where its true refuge is. You remember that although you only knew a little about Christ, you didn't know much about doctrinal matters, and you didn't even understand your own need. Yet there was something in you that made you pray and caused you to see that you could only find your refuge at the mercy seat. Before you were a Christian, before you could say, Christ is mine, your bedside was a witness to many flowing tears when your aching heart poured itself out before God. You might have cried out something like this, O oh God, I want something. I don't know what it is I want, but I feel a heaviness of spirit. My mind is burdened, and I feel that only you can unburden me. I know that I am a sinner. Oh, that you would forgive me. I hardly understand the plan of salvation. But one thing I know, I want to be saved. I want to arise and go to my Father. My heart longs to find refuge in you. This is one of the first indications that such a soul is one of God's chosen. For it is true, just as it was of Israel in Egypt, that God is the refuge of his people, even when they are under the yoke. When captivity is led captive, the eternal God becomes the refuge of his people from their sins. The Israelites were brought out of Egypt. They were free, although they didn't know where they were marching to, but their chains were snapped. They were emancipated and did not need to call any man master. However, Pharaoh was furious, and he pursued them with his horses and his chariots. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them. Exodus 15, 9. There is also a period in the spiritual life when sin labors to drag back the sinner who has newly escaped from it. Like armies ready for battle, 
all the poor sinner's past iniquities hurry after him, and overtake him in a place where his way is hedged in. The poor fugitive would escape, but he cannot. What then must he do? It was then that Moses cried unto the Lord. When nothing else could be found to give shelter to the poor escaped slaves, when the Red Sea rolled before them, the mountains shut them in on both sides, and an angry foe pursued them, there was one road that was not blocked, and that was the king's highway upward to the throne, the way to their God. Therefore they began at once to travel that road, lifting up their hearts in humble prayer to God, trusting that He would deliver them. You know the story, too, how the uplifted rod divided the watery deeps, how the people passed through the sea as a horse through the wilderness, and how the Lord brought all the hosts of Egypt into the depths of the sea, so that He could utterly destroy them, so that not one of them was left. Those who had seen them one day never saw them again. In this sense, God is still the refuge of His people. Our sins that pursued us so fiercely have been drowned in the depths of the Saviour's blood. They sank to the bottom like stones. The depths have covered them. There is not one, no, not one of them, left, and we, standing upon the shore in safety, can shout in triumph over our drowned sins, Sing unto the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously, and He has cast all our iniquities into the midst of the sea. Compare Exodus 15.21. God is thus the refuge of His people under the yoke of bondage, and when sin seeks to overcome them, He is also their refuge in times of need. The children of Israel journeyed into the wilderness, but there was nothing for them to feed upon there. The arid sand yielded them neither leeks nor garlic nor cucumbers, and no brooks or rivers like the Nile were there to quench their thirst. They would have famished if they had been left to depend upon the natural productions of the soil. They came to Mara, where there was a well, but the water was very bitter. At other places where they were, there were no wells at all, and even bitter water was not to be had. What then? The unfailing refuge of God's people in the wilderness was prayer. Moses, their representative, always committed himself to the Most High, at times falling upon his face in agony, and at other times climbing to the top of the hill and there pleading in solemn communion with God that he would deliver the people. You have often heard how the people ate angels' food in the desert, how the Lord rained bread from heaven upon his people in the howling wilderness, and how waters gushed forth from the rock. You have not forgotten how the strong wind blew and brought them meat so that they ate and were satisfied. Israel had no need unsupplied. Their clothing did not wear out, and even though they went through the wilderness, their feet did not become sore. Deuteronomy 8 4. God supplied all their needs. In our land, we must go to the baker, the butcher, the tailor, and many others in order to equip ourselves fully. But the people of Israel went to God for everything. We have to store up our money and buy one thing in one place and another thing in another place. But the eternal God was their refuge and their resort for everything. In every time of need, they had to do nothing but lift up their voice to Him. It is the same way with us spiritually. 
Faith sees our position today to be just that of the children of Israel then. Whatever our needs are, the eternal God is our refuge. God has promised you that your bread will be given to you and that your water shall be sure. He who meets spiritual needs will not deny physical needs. The mighty Master will never allow you to perish while He has it in His power to help you. Go to Him, no matter what trouble weighs you down. Don't think that your situation is too bad, or nothing is too hard for the Lord. He cares for you in all things. 1 Peter 5 7. You are to give thanks in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5 18. And certainly in everything, by prayer and supplication, you can make your needs known unto God. Philippians 4 6. In times when the jar of oil is ready to fail, and the handful of meal is all but gone, 1 Kings 17, 12-14, then go to the all-sufficient God, and you will find that those who trust in Him will not lack any good thing. Psalm 34, 10. Furthermore, our God is the refuge of His saints when their enemies rage. When the host was passing through the wilderness, they were suddenly attacked by the Amalekites. Unprovoked, these marauders of a desert set upon them and smote many of them. But what did Israel do? The people did not ask to have a strong body of horsemen hired out of the land of Egypt for their refuge, or, even if they did want that, he who was their wiser self, Moses, looked to another arm than that of man, for he cried unto God. How glorious is that picture of Moses with uplifted hands upon the top of the hill giving victory to Joshua in the plain below. Exodus 17:11. Those uplifted arms were worth ten thousand men to the hosts of Israel. Twice ten thousand would not have obtained a victory as easily as did those two extended arms that brought down omnipotence itself from heaven. Israel's master weapon of war was their confidence in God. Joshua would go forth with men of war, but the Lord Jehovah Nissi was the banner of the fight and the giver of the victory. Exodus 17:15. In the same way, the eternal God is our refuge. When our enemies rage, we do not need to fear their fury. Let us not seek to be without enemies, but let us take our case and spread it before God. We cannot be in such a position that the weapons of our enemies can hurt us while the promise stands good. Scripture, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment you shalt condemn. Isaiah 54, 17. Although earth and hell should unite in malice, the eternal God is our castle and stronghold, securing to us an everlasting refuge.